Welcome to Relentless Truth with John Warren, the podcast that extracts truth from a wide range of topics, revealing who God is, who we are, and how we relate to each other. Now, here's John with this week's powerful and practical insights. Welcome to Relentless Truth. I'm John Warren. It is good to be with you again. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode on the fear of missing out and the implications of the fall and on contentment. We talked about contentment, particularly I talked about all that in the context of parenting, but man, it applies to me. And uh, I know, uh, I I hope it was a blessing. Uh, Those those truths were uh, heavy on my heart and Hope you enjoyed that. We're, as I promised, we're going to talk today about the economy. And I know, you know, I actually have some students who, who kind of roll their eyes and say, you know, I'm just not an economics person. And what I say to that is don't stop this episode. Listen to the rest of this. You don't need to be an economist. In fact, I want to, I want to give you a disclaimer. I am not an investment advisor. Uh, I am not a financial advisor. I'm not Dave Ramsey, obviously, for those of you who know his work with other Christians and ministries. I don't aspire to be Dave Ramsey. I value some, not all, of the things he has to say. And I know there are other counselors out there, financial counselors, financial literacy people. That's all just wonderful. That's not what we're talking about today. I'm not doling out investment advice. I'm not licensed to do that. And and so, yes, I'm going to try to give you some what we can do um, as people to prepare for the economy that is coming, that is frankly already here. But I'm not giving you, I'm not actually giving you any investment advice. So why on earth do I, every few weeks or months come back to talking about the economy. Well, it's kind of interesting. This this economy that we're in right now is among the most interesting. I tell my students that some of, not all, but some of the principles that I learned in college and in grad school, undergrad and grad school, were in economics have now been kind of disproven, thrown to the side. Economics can be frustrating. It's kind of a, it's not kind of, it's a, it's a, it's a bunch of laws and concepts, principles, if you will. But for those of you who like to solve math problems and and find the answer to X, economics can be frustrating. You hear the press, for example, talking about the economy right now. And depending on the press outlet that you follow, and I would encourage you to subscribe to the Wall Street Journal, maybe, if you care about this stuff. You can get a relatively inexpensive online version of the Wall Street Journal. Or there are others. There are free resources like msn.com has a finance page and yahoo.com has a finance page. And there are other newsletters that you can you can find that that are free. But if you follow the economy, you get or, or the media and, and you, you get you, you even if you just hear at night, you, you turn on cable television, depending on the outlet you enjoy 
and and you hear them talk about the economy, you get all these mixed signals. The economy's doing really well. The economy's robust. Thank God for the Biden administration. He's fixed everything and life is wonderful. And then you get, you turn over to another channel and, and you get, well, not so fast. We've got runaway inflation. And you say, what in the world is that? Oh, they'll, they'll tell you it's rising prices and it's caused by the supply chain issues and all this other nonsense. And then you'll hear others who kind of know what they're talking about. They'll talk about stagflation and, and all the rest. So I, I want to kind of set the record straight. I know I've done this before, but, but I, I want to do it in the context of the, the 2023 economy in the U.S. Those of you who are uh, with us, uh, who are international uh, listeners, I'm thankful for you. Uh, stay with me because, as you probably know, your economy kind of follows the U.S. economy the U.S. economy is is so large that it influences the rest of the world. And I hope some of these concepts will be valuable to you as well. We're going to talk about this, all of this in the context of a Christian perspective, a Christian worldview, if you will. And that's really not that complicated. So here's where we are. We have rising interest rates, don't we? The, the average Federal Reserve discount rate, that is the rate that it charges for overnight money, for banks charge each other and the Fed charges banks, is about 5%. But the yield curve is inverted, and that means that longer-term rates, like the 10-year Treasury, is not really as high as that discount rate. The yield curve slopes downward. If you put time on the horizontal axis and interest rates on the vertical axis, you have a downward-sloping curve. That's all that means, just so you know. Those of you who don't care about this stuff, now you know how to draw a yield curve. Usually it slopes upward because with the passage of time, rates go up because risk increases over time. Usually there's, there's always a risk-reward relationship in, in the world of interest rates. So yield curve is slightly inverted, but that's not really the news right now. It'll, it'll self-correct. It'll, it'll de-invert over time. But the real news is inflation, and you know what that is. That is actually devaluation of the currency. If you want to know whether an economist or somebody giving you economic advice knows what they're talking about or not, if they express, if they solely express inflation in terms of rising prices, and they don't explain that it's because of the cause, the root cause is the devaluation of the currency, then they haven't told you the whole story. And if they say things like, well, the supply chain is a mess or, or uh, we, we have this or that going on or this industry, these companies are taking advantage. Well, all of that can be true. Or the American people are demanding so much of XYZ products or, or people are spending money be, and, and spending is driving inflation or, or we've, we've altered the minimum wage and it, it, all of those things. Yes. All of those things can contribute to rising prices, but the root cause is the devaluation of the currency. And you say, well, wait a minute. How in the world does that happen? Let me explain. Your government has pumped money into the economy now they call it quantitative easing they have pumped money into the economy by the billions and billions of dollars for a sustained period of time we've talked about this in previous episodes i'm not going to go through all the detail again but suffice it to say that every administration in modern times has been guilty of this in recent 
administrations at least. And and the Trump administration did it at record levels because of COVID-19 and the need to bail out the economy, in their opinion. This really started, it, it started years and years ago, but it, but it really it came into vogue from a Federal Reserve and Treasury policy standpoint during the economic collapse of 2008 when we bailed out the auto industry, we bailed out the insurance industry, we bailed out the investment industry, we bailed out the banking industry, and more with this thing we call economic stimulus that's a nice word for policies that lead to inflation. I'm not going to argue with you or anyone about the merits of some of those policies. Were some of those things necessary? Okay, maybe. Maybe. Uh, would we have had this total economic collapse if we hadn't done something? Yeah, probably. But we got ourselves in this trouble. We, this, is, this is self-induced difficulty. This is a nice way to say it. It's, it's self-induced pain. And it reminds me, and I've said this before, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it today, of the 1920s. We called them the Roaring Twenties because we were spending money like crazy. Credit, we had caught on to the fact that we can buy things on credit. Electricity was, was widespread. Home appliances became in vogue. We were investing, we were borrowing money as a society to invest it in the stock market. The stock market was booming. We were partying, we were living large, we were, we were not going to die in World War I. Reminds me a lot of COVID-19, although not perfectly, but man, we were spending money and we were looking around, smart people were looking around saying, wow, when does this end? This this has to end. I've said several times, I wasn't alive back then, as you know, but I said, I've said several times during my lifetime, this looks like it's too good to be true, and I'm saying it right now. This reminds me, although I was very young, of the Jimmy Carter years and the early Reagan years. There's a, there's a thing going on right now. So I mentioned the inverted yield curve. What else can we be concerned about? And you might say, well, what, what do you mean you're concerned? Look at the stock market. It's rocking and rolling for the most part. Well, the stock market had its worst year in, in many years last year, although it is doing quite well in 2023 at the date of this recording. But there's going to become a reckoning where there's a repricing of assets. You might say, well, wait a minute, the home market, the housing market, the the home selling market is still, it's not what it was six, eight, 10 months ago, but it's, but so we're not bidding up prices quite like we were, but they're still selling if they're priced well. Well, I would just say stay tuned. Stay tuned because as rates rise, as you know, even though there are lots of cash purchases, I get that, but as rates rise, 30 year mortgage rates rise and you kind of know where they are. They're, they're, the bond market moves around and mortgages are priced off that bond market, but they're, they're over 6% now anyway. They've crossed over 7 a couple of times recently. They're going to go higher. As the yield curve de-inverts, they'll go higher. As it starts to slope upward and long-term rates go higher, 30-year mortgages will go much higher. In fact, the story circulating this week about consumer credit, that is credit card debt, and if you are in the 
tenuous position of having lots of credit card debt. You know this. Those rates are sky high right now. In fact, credit card debt has set a record in recent months. I don't know whether this has something to do with COVID or it, it, it we're just mirroring the history is repeating itself, you know, in the, the, this roaring 20s thing I talked about and how it reminds me today reminds me of that period in several respects. Maybe we're just repeating that pattern. But America, American households are full of debt. I've mentioned the fact a minute ago that it reminds me of the Jimmy Carter years. We had this thing called stagflation. Don't worry about that word. Uh, it, it's, it's high inflation while GDP, gross domestic product, or, or the way we measure economic output, let's say it that way, declines. High inflation, and that's one of those principles I learned years ago, that's, those, those two things are not supposed to happen together. But what, what the theory didn't anticipate back then was the fact that the, our, our government largely through the Federal Reserve, would create the problem by pumping money into the economy. They would devalue the currency by pumping money into the economy, make the economy too hot from a GDP standpoint, too robust, which, which ends up looking like rising prices. The outcome is, is, is rising prices, is high inflation, and what actually happened is, is they, they created that. They blame it on, on all kinds of other things. And I'm not this government conspiracy theorist. but So we, we're dealing with high inflation while the Fed is raising rates now to correct this and causing the economy to go into a recession. And you'll hear them talk about, oh, we're, we're going to have a soft landing. And the stock market is up and down and sideways i mean just just wondering where to go and they they hang on every word that jerome powell says the head of the federal reserve and they're, they're doing that even today there's some inflation numbers coming out and you hear that prices are rising by eight percent on average and yet you go to your supermarket and you say wow look at the price of eggs look at the price of milk look at the price of chicken look at my utility bills i'm not sure that i can afford to do this this and this that we did before and so fear is gripping uh, some households already. And then yet others are in denial and that denial is, is, is validated, is verified by, borne out by the, the runaway credit card debt. So, so we, we, we have a national debt problem as well. And we don't talk about that. You know, you'll, you'll recall the Kevin McCarthy controversy with, you know, who's going to be the Speaker of the House and, and these these 20 or so Republicans, um, by the way, no offense if you like him, but Matt Gates makes me sick. And I, I know there are some principled people who who like him and, and like that Freedom Caucus or whatever they call themselves. But and I'm not a Kevin McCarthy fan, but but this holding the nation hostage and, 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 and you know, when you ask them what they really stand for, I, you know. I'm, I don't want to lose you over this issue and I don't want to talk politics, but my goodness, we, we need serious leaders that will address serious issues. And maybe they are, and maybe, maybe time will tell. But, but this issue of the national debt, nobody talks about. This deficit spending. You know, we had prosperous years during the Clinton administration, during the, his two terms in the 90s, in spite of the scandals and all the other stuff that was going on. We had a prosperous economy 
largely because of Republican control of, of the Congress and a balanced federal budget. We're still cranking out deficits. The national debt is accumulating. I, I just believe, and I, I'm sorry to, to dump this on you if you're driving along thinking I'm going to have a good day today. I, 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 I hope you do have a good day, but I hope you, you're realistic about that. And, and I hope you're realistic about this economy and you think about these things. If you look at the perfect storm that is happening economically, and I, I, I am not a doom and gloom guy. I trust in God. I rely on him. I pray. I read scripture. I trust in his promises. I do not worship money. I worship God. I want to be clear, and I want to urge you to do that too. But I'm also prudent, and I see this perfect storm. This perfect storm looks like this. Interest rates are going to continue to rise. They've already, consumer credit is out of control. I've told you that. And those rates are at record levels. You only see this if you carry credit card debt or consumer debt, some other kind of debt. You still get these solicitations in the mail where your credit card company wants to give you a higher limit or they want you to have another credit card and all that. But America is up to its eyeballs in consumer debt. Now, we have crazy inflation. It costs you, if you go to Publix, which is our supermarket, but if you go to your supermarket, it costs you lots more. I mean, not just 8% more, a ton more, a multiple of what you paid before, probably double what you paid a year ago to fill a shopping cart with the same items you bought a year ago. And you're probably, lots of families, lots of families I get to interface with because I teach students, high school students, lots of families understand that they've got to cut back. They've got to make adjustments. They understand what inflation looks like. It looks like rising prices. It's caused by the devaluation of the currency, as we've said. And yet, you also know, because you're smart, you know that GDP, gross domestic product, that is the value of finished goods and services produced in the economy. That's what GDP is. Don't let anybody, you know, kind of talk over you, uh, over your head with this. This isn't a complicated concept. It's gross domestic product. It used to be, for those of you who are older, gross national product, GNP. Now we call it gross domestic product. It's the value of all goods and services produced in the economy. They take a basket of goods, they measure them, and that's how that works. Similarly, that's how we track inflation, the cost of certain goods, a basket of goods that we measure. GDP is measuring from various sources using statistical modeling, measuring economic output. I say finished goods and services as opposed to raw materials and partially produced goods and services. I often tell my students it's, it's not the, the tires for the car, it's the entire car. But GDP is measuring the economy. We've had already two consecutive quarters of negative GDP, and you know what we call that in economics terms, at least in the old days. This is, this is an old school definition. Two consecutive quarters of negative GDP, lack of economic growth, constitutes a recession. So we're technically, by the old school definition, in a recession. You know what the new school definition of a recession is? Well, we'll just kind of know. <laughs> I mean... I, I know some economists are going to write me and say, you're an idiot. It's more sophisticated than that, but it's really not. Yeah, we just kind of know. We don't like those measures. We don't like to call it a recession because that makes people pull their horns in, pull the, their spending back. And they, you can actually create a recession by saying we're in one. Baloney. 
Anyway, so we got this national debt problem. That's another part of the perfect storm. Our government is still spending money like we have unserious leaders in Congress, in the White House and throughout our government, the deep state, all, all of them. Uh, we, we've got some great people, by the way, really smart people who get it, who will hear this, understand it and will write me and saying, yes, I agree. But wow, we've got some unserious people who think that we can just go to this well and print money whenever we need to, that we can, uh, you know, I support Ukraine. I don't support the crazy spending that we're doing on their behalf. I don't support open borders. I think we're risking letting terrorists into our country. I'm certain we're letting fentanyl into our country and, and China's killing people. I'm sorry, China. I don't want to tick you off either, but that's true. You know, we outsource to China our manufacturing largely and and we outsource our criminal activity our child labor and all the rest by outsourcing these things to china you know it's a it's a way of our leaders feeling good about themselves morally it's kind of sad anyway we have this perfect storm going on the economy is going to adjust all of these things and i i don't have a video podcast. I don't have a whiteboard in front of me. I can't paint this picture for you on a, I could, if we were together or you could see me, but I can't paint this picture graphically, but I know that I know that these things together, this perfect storm leads to some form of economic adjustment. And what I mean by that, let me just tell you what I mean in plain language. Assets have to reprice you you might hear and i i have some realtor friends one in particular who i'm very close with and i love like a brother and and he's smart and, and and actually understands all this but but i have other realtor friends that i'm not as close with but we're friends who 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 still try to sell the world on the fact that prices aren't going to adjust that that everything is fine and yeah, we might adjust a little bit, but it's going to be okay. And I, I have others who are realistic and understand that, no, the stock market is going to adjust and that's going to affect your 401k, but your home value is going to decline. Inflation, which is just, a, just, a, just harmful to families, is going to continue. And the Federal Reserve is going to have to continue to, to raise interest rates. Are we going to have shortages and all kinds of calamities like we had calamity like we had back in the Jimmy Carter years? I, I don't know. I don't know if COVID taught me anything. It's that, that I don't know a lot about human behavior, consumer behavior in particular. That's a conversation for another day. I want to turn the page though. And I want to talk about what we can do. And again, I am not giving you investment advice. I don't do that. I can't do that. I'm not licensed to do it. I just want to give you some practical advice. I'm not Dave Ramsey. I don't say it with that charm that he says it. I, I, I sound a little clunky when I talk about it, but, but I want to, I want to just blurt this out and see if, see if this makes sense to you. I like the idea of you having us having all of us having one year of expenses one year of cash flow if you look at all the checks you write all the outflow from your from your accounts your resources 
I like the idea of saving one year and putting put of, of those expenses. I'm, I'm not talking about just the raw essentials. I'm talking about everything you spend. And I like the idea of you having one year of expenses saved. You can do two or five years if you're able. Um, I, I think, I think having one year of cash reserves just in case you end up unemployed or underemployed or, or inflation continues and expenses go up. I make that number up. I pull it right out of thin air. A lot of people say six months is sufficient. A lot of people say, Oh, one year is too much. Well, I, you know, it's not enough if we're in an economic downturn that the government makes worse by these policies and failing to be serious and failing to deal with the deficit and debt of our country. But one year feels like the right number to me intuitively. It allows you to adjust. It allows you to downsize. It allows you to, to pull in your spending. It, it gives you time so you don't have to panic or, or, or become dependent on the government, government aid for some reason. The, the other one is obvious, and everybody always talks about this, reduce or eliminate your debt. Certainly, if you've got student loans or you, or you that's another issue for another day, but if, you, if you've got consumer debt, that high interest rate debt that you're rolling over and carrying, if you can just adjust somehow, adjust your spending and reduce or eliminate that debt. I'm not talking about paying your mortgage off if you can't. If you can, that'd be great too. If you got any adjustable or variable rate debt, pay it off, get out of debt, change, make difficult lifestyle decisions. I'm not suggesting you starve but reduce or eliminate debt. You are, the Bible makes it clear that you are slave to your creditor. You are. And, and it'll make you debt, a personal consumer debt will make you worship money, which we're commanded in the Sermon on the Mount not to do. You can't, you can't worship, you can't serve both God and money in the words of Jesus. You know this to be true. I'm not shaming you. I understand lots of Americans, particularly during this COVID period, have just spent money on their homes and on entertainment and on travel now because, wow, we survived COVID. That's why I say it reminds me of the 1920s. We survived World War, World War I. Um, but, but just adjust. Adjust now. It's not too late to adjust. It's going to be too late to adjust soon if I'm right and the economy really tanks. And I think it will. But another one is, is downsize, sell, consolidate. I don't even know what I mean by that. It just depends on how you live life. If you've got a bunch of extra assets, a bunch of, you know, your home is three times the size you need. You can, you know, I'm not telling you to sell your house, you know, but, but, but if it makes sense to consider it now, because demand is going to dry up, consolidate con, uh, all those, all those subscriptions, all those things you spend money on. We spend money on that. We don't need. You might want to consider consolidating simplify your life uh, there i have some friends on social media who are also parents of some of my students and former parents of some of my students who who post these minimalist posts and and i i, I i'm not suggesting you eat bread and drink water but wow simplifying life is is so important this this american dream is is not not quite so dreamy you don't need to keep up with the neighbors and recognizing that I think is important and it's important right now. Uh, number four, get in the right job. Position yourself well from a vocation standpoint. Look at 
you know, could I get eliminated from this job? Uh, I'm not trying to create worry or fear that isn't warranted, but if there's some smart decisions that you can make vocationally, make them now, you know, don't go take your, you know, do what you want to do, but, but obviously, but don't, I wouldn't take my nest egg and go start a new business today where you depend on consumer demand that might not work out well in a, in an economy that adjusts. So I would just suggest that, that you, you consider the fact that here's what I would say candidly to you. There's going to be an economic downturn that if you haven't felt it yet, and I, I think most of you have by supermarket prices and utility prices, but if you, if you really are, are, a, are an economic adjustment denier, please consider the fact that I might be right and make some of these adjustments. Please just, just give that some thought. And these are practical things. These aren't draconian. These aren't, again, you, you, you need to be careful and measured. I know several people who have sold their homes and they rent now and rents are going up. So you got to be smart about how you do that. You might be able to sell your home at the top of the market. And if I'm right about assets adjusting, you might time it right in a year or two. You might be able to buy one that when, if we're in a period like 2009 and 10, I don't think we're going to be in a period exactly like that. But, but if we are in a period where values adjust, you might then be able to buy, you know, sell high, buy low. Just a thought. Don't want to encourage lots of risk taking in that regard. But I think these practical adjustments just might make sense. I hope this is helpful. Let me tell you the best advice that I can give you. And you, I give this advice to me as well. All of this advice, I take this into account. My wife and I talk about it. Our, our daughter is an amazing young lady who is in a PhD program and is able to live on not very much money. She is the very definition of a minimalist. And we are, we are proud of her for about a thousand reasons, but particularly she is really good at adulting and living life and practices all these things that I've described here. And, and she practices this next one too. And I'm very most proud and thankful to God for this. Here's one. And you hear it all the time. And I hope your church encourages you to do this. Pray and read scripture, live a life characterized by prayer, pray without ceasing. We trust God. We prepare well, we do all of these things but God is on the throne. God causes people to prosper in bad economic times. God promises to meet our needs. If look at the words of Jesus in Matthew five, six, and seven on the sermon on the Mount, look at how he meets the needs of the birds and causes the flowers to bloom. And he arrays nature beautifully. And so we don't need to fret. If we store if we make all the right decisions and store our wealth in storehouses, it can be consumed. I'm not suggesting that we don't do all the things we, I talked about here and more. Those all make sense. But if you do all that and you don't live a life characterized by Christ following, by praying and reading scripture, then we're missing the point. We're going to live an unfulfilled life. If you have all of the wealth in the world and don't live your life following Christ, then you're really missing the point. I'm really missing the point. I hope this has been helpful. I, I know it's depressing, I, but you know what? Facing reality is important. 
the reality of biblical truth, even as it relates to the economy, is important, isn't it? And we didn't talk about stewardship in this episode, but we could have. This is just really about being a good steward. Let me just back up one second and close with this. I'm not talking about living a miserable life. I want you to be happy. I want you to smile a lot. I want you to love your family well. I want you to be able to take a deep breath and relax and enjoy life. I just don't want you to go broke thinking you have to keep up with your neighbors or you have to be a be a victim of advertising saying you got to have this, you got to have that, you know, that fear of missing out we talked about last week. I I don't want you to live life that way and be caught by an economic adjustment that catches you off guard. I'm not predicting a total stock market crash, a housing market crash. I think it'll be softer than that. But I don't know until our 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 leaders, our Congress and our administration and 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 those who who are bureaucrats in the government until they get serious about doing the right thing from a spending standpoint and stopping the lying and the and the earmarks and pork barrel politics and and all the rest until they stop the games and get serious and address the real issues facing our country they make me nervous and they could plunge this economy into something that would maybe not be quite as bad as 2008 and 9 but it could look like that could feel like that and i i want to be also careful with those of you who are saying wait a minute you're talking about this like it's coming my family's already struggling we've already lost jobs We've we already struggled to make ends meet. We've got X number of kids at home, and we've had to adjust. And we don't we don't buy chicken anymore. I, I hear you. I hear some of those stories. My heart goes out to you. I pray for you. I would urge you to. I, I saw a line at a food bank that was just unbelievable a few months ago, and and, and I, I know that I live in a bubble that is protected financially and I'm blessed and my family is and all of that. And, and I get it. If you're already experiencing these things I'm talking about in this episode, please don't let me make you angry. I'm trying to warn everybody else. And I, I understand the, the challenges. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your stories. Uh, you probably have thoughts. This, this has been woefully incomplete, this little overview of the economy. I felt compelled to do it because the economy is changing so quickly. But if I left something out, if you've got ideas, if you've got thoughts about how to how maybe we could collectively help people prepare, I'd love to do that. I'm not a, a doomsday conspiracy theorist, but man, I think we need to be smart. I think we I think we uh, I think we need to be prudent. We need to be good stewards. This is the time to evaluate. It's not too late to make adjustments that might make life easier for all of us. I hope this has been helpful. Uh, may God bless you and your families. I pray for this audience. I hope you'll pray for me too. I, I want to be wise here. I want to want to be sure that we're we're accomplishing something meaningful. The numbers for this podcast are indicative of a, a huge audience uh, that is so much larger than I expected uh, when we started this podcast. I believe God is blessing this work. I'm thankful for you. Your engagement is so special. Just a just a word of encouragement goes goes such a long way. I'm not soliciting it, but I'm just telling you that I'm grateful for you. So thank you for being a relentless truth listener. Thank you for subscribing. 
You know you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, and we're grateful that you do so. Our website is johnwarrenmedia.com. You can email me at john at johnwarrenmedia.com, or you can just use the contact form on the website. I try to respond to all correspondence. May God bless you richly. I look forward to being with you again next time. Thanks for listening to Relentless Truth with John Warren. Please consider sharing this podcast and subscribe to receive future episodes. Connect with John regarding your comments, questions, and show ideas through johnwarrenmedia.com or at John Warren Media on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. That's all for this episode. Join us next week for another edition of Relentless Truth with John Warren. Thank you.